Drive-by cinema. Three nachos and a foaming thermos of fun. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 11 of Drive-by Cinema. Um, that was a drive-by. I've got it. Yeah, thanks, Paul. Like the, very much like the opening title music, which is long overdue for a, a revision. Do you think so? This is, I think it's this one is of my the, co-host. No, it's, it's a well-loved favourite, that title music, isn't it? I've never heard anything, but, but... No one said a bad word about it. This is my... This is my co-host and musician. Uh, in his current life, in his former life, he was a, a washerwoman in the Napoleonic era. Um, <laughs> this is Paul. Yes. And now oh, I have to invent uh, a previous life for Richard, which I can't do. This is my co-host, Richard. And I imagine uh, he was less of a twat in a previous life, perhaps. <laughs> It's difficult to imagine, though, isn't it? <laughs> no, no, he's very welcome to do to do this podcast with me, uh, and uh, yeah, so 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 yeah, Richard, welcome everybody to Drive By Cinema, episode eleven, as you say. And uh, before we go on to the film for this week, I guess we've got to, you know, churn up the past and and go into detail about how we're wrong and write about things. Did I? Hmm, did I make? Corrections already. I don't think I can have done. Can I? Are you are you ever wrong about things, Richard? I don't think this is wrong. Oh, I just cool. made a slip. I made a slip. Oh, I kept in the the Green Knight episode. I kept referring to King Arthur as Sir Arthur. You meant Sir Lancelot, didn't you? No, I meant King Arthur. But you were mixed up with the title Sir Lancelot. But Sir, uh, oh. Sir, Sir Lancelot wasn't in that film. No, no, he wasn't. But presumably the king is also a knight, right? I mean, he's also... Don't think he is, no. Oh. I think he's a king, You, you don't think he was He was ever knighted? I mean, imagine you're playing chess. Being... Ha-ha, I've taken, I've taken your bishop. Oh, you haven't? No, I'm, I'm going to change my bishop into a rook. I mean, you can't do that, Richard, can you, in chess? You can turn a pawn into a rook. Or a bishop. Not, not at will, not willy-nilly. No, not, not willy-nilly, no. No. I don't think it's wrong. I just think I wasn't using the correct honorific. Because he must... I mean, he still has the job of a knight, right? He has a, a sword, and he goes jousting and does knightly things. He just happens to be the, the boss of the knights. I don't think it's wrong. That's all I'm saying. I think it's just a... You know, it's very humble of you, demotion. Uncharacteristically humble of you, I'd say. <laughs> What's gone wrong? Well, why don't you uh, make amends for errors that you've made, Paul? I, I just wait. I just wait for you to correct them, Richard. Look, okay. You did say two things that were wrong in the last episode. You in said that Turkey was in North America. And it's plainly not in North America. No, I said they came from North America, didn't I? But not so you contend. Turkey. I don't agree with you, though. I think you said that the country Turkey was in North America. Are you trying to tell me that turkeys, the birds, are called that because they came from Turkey? No, no. Actually, you were right. I, I kind of disagree. I said, no, we took turkeys over there. That is complete rot. Turkeys do, in fact, come from North America. So well done, Richard. <laughs> so what were we well, eating? Well, we were eating goose, weren't we? They can we fly. were eating goose before. They can fly, I suppose. Yeah, if they 
they need to lose a bit of weight, though, don't they? They need to tone up. Wild turkeys can fly quite well and considerable different distances. You know, short distances like half a kilometre, two kilometres, that kind of thing. Uh, and we, meanwhile, would have been eating goose on Christmas Day. That's what I was trying to say. Yes, we would. It's not difficult to understand. Is it? Moving on from turkeys to another another bird, which is a crow. Mm-hmm. You okay. seem to have some sort of haughty disdain for the way that I pronounce the word key escrow. And you said, oh, key, key. <laughs> key escrow. Key escrow, you said. Now, yeah. I, you know, I do know that there are some noun-verb combinations <laughs> in English that uh, have differentiated pronunciation, for example, produce and produce. I was using escrow as a verb, and I think you were correcting me for its use as a verb. Uh, escrow, Richard, if you look in either the Oxford English Dictionary or, you know, a standard uh, tome of uh, worth and import in America, for example, Merriam-Webster, uh, the noun and the verb uh, can be both pronounced as escrow or escrow. Oh, right. You read the pronunciation guides. Well, yeah, yeah. After my confidence was shattered to, to smithereens from, you, <laughs> from your withering correction. But how do they represent the pronunciation on this written medium? With marks that are not diacritic marks, with marks that are stress marks, Richard. Do they spell it out phonetically? like, Or maybe use symbols like dingbats? So you can. You have three options, really. If, you, if I mean, if, if you're interested in this, you have three options. One, <laughs> the syllables can be separated in phonetics, phonetic alphabet, IPA, and the primary stress you could have a upper stress mark, and if there's if it's more than if it's three syllables or more, the secondary stress you could have as a a little stress mark beneath that syllable, so upper and lower stress for the primary and secondary stress. Uh, I think uh, in most Dictionaries that are accessible to to the general public, humans, yeah, humans. Uh, then you might just sort of s- spell out the kind of English spelling phonetics. So, like, human uh, yeah. would be H O O M A N, and then put a line between the two syllables, and then the stress syllable you're writing capitals. So, like, capital H, uh. capital O, capital O dash. M-A-N, man, that kind of thing. So in any case, man. yes. No. In any case, Richard, all, two, all two or three dictionaries that I referred to, both two dictionaries or all three dictionaries, depending on how they're referred to, all said the same thing, that escrow or escrow could be pronounced equitably in both directions for <laughs> verb or noun, Richard. So there, there's no disagreement about that anywhere. <laughs> I've but, just never heard it as escrow, like the name of a... A well-to-do COVID. Uh, I've always said it as escrow. (laughs) (laughs) So there you go. More importantly, then, can you tell us how you're supposed to pronounce cash or cash? C-A-C-H-E. Like you have in memory in computers. that's a good one. I'm I'm, I'm willing, grudgingly, to take your direction on this. But I, I would, of course, call it cash. Cash. Yeah, yeah. But it's probably wrong. Okay. What about how do you pronounce the name of the world's most popular free Unix operating system? 
Oh, the stuff that people insist on not using Windows with. What's yes, it called again? exactly. What's it called? I've forgotten. I've forgotten. Well, I can't tell you I've without brain fog. I've got it's spelt. It's spelt Linux, but I know you're supposed to say Linux. Oh well, it's a very controversial topic. Much more controversial than it has any right to be. But apparently, well, I always thought it was supposed to rhyme with the creator Linus, Linus Torvalds. Ah, so Linux. Linus. Linux. But apparently he has said that you pronounce it Linux. Linux. Okay. How about the shoe with the swoosh? The trainer shoe with the swoosh? Nike. Ah. Nike. Ah, Nike. Nike. Well, it, it's Greek, isn't it? So it would have been Nike. I, I guess. How about the Korean was car it Roman, that has Roman go? I don't know actually. How about the Korean ca- Korean car that l- Kia? No, that has a symbol oh. a bit like a Honda. Uh, Hyundai. Oh, Hyundai. you're trying very hard there, but you're almost <laughs> right. It's it's Hyundai. Hyundai. Uh, Hyundai. Hyundai. Okay. Now we get onto the capital. And this is where we get back to Riesling Rising. We're really getting close to Riesling Rising here. <laughs> the capital of China. Beijing. Oh, now you see. Now, peaking. It's peaking. Well, that would definitely be wrong. But uh, <laughs> Beijing is this kind of, uh, this kind of, often people say, oh, you know, I went to Beijing. Or, oh, no, 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 it's not Beijing. It's Beijing kind of thing. This is the kind of hypercorrection that's actually incorrect. Beijing. No, it's okay. just in English. The best way would be Bay Jing with a hard J sound, Jing. not not like a television Jing. French J sound. Okay, there isn't that sound. Well, there is that sound in Chinese, but it's not in the in the capital, not in its capital. So, so yeah, we're right onto Riesling Riesling here. Wow. Okay. Now, I did I did look up Riesling Riesling in all of the. Uh, no, available dictionaries you could find. I could find online and physically. It's just not in there. There seems to be an assumption that you should say Riesling. However, I think if you ask the population of America and the UK, how do you say it? I think the majority of people wouldn't say it Riesling. So I don't see a reason why we should say Riesling if it's not, if there's no authority, if there's no authority or authoritative reference that says we should be saying Riesling and that Riesling is still a Common error. Well, you're either a prescriptivist or a descriptivist. But I'm saying there's no prescription there at all. And I don't believe that most people would say Riesling or Riesling. So So it's got to be defined by usage, hasn't it? So what was he called, the creator of Linux Linux? Linus Torvalds. And is he still part of it? His ridiculous creation. Sorry. I don't know, actually. He must be getting on a bit, you would think, by now. Although he was probably terribly young when he started it all, wasn't he? Do you think there's a tendency for people that use Linux, Linux exclusively to have really old laptops anyway? <laughs> or not? Well, they probably they don't need to buy the latest, greatest laptop to run their Works operating system. Works fine on my ZX Spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a ZX Spectrum, Paul, or, or a Commodore? I've still got my ZX Spectrum. You, you still got it. It's Kempston joystick peripheral plug-in port. Does it still turn on? It still works. Uh, Holy do, shit. Do you know the little uh, power cable? Yeah, it, 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 it's, quite, it's a bit broken. Yeah, you know, it has like a plastic protecting, 
protectorate gubbins, you know, for the, the area that goes in the socket. And that's quite a hard plastic. Stress relief mouldings. Yes. Wow, thank you. Stress, let me write that down. Stress relief mouldings. Okay. So it has a stress relief, stress relief moulding that is hardened maybe over time. And so I think the wire there is a little bit dicky. You know how you do with your headphones? You have to adjust. If you've got wired headphones. You have to wiggle it. Yeah. You have to wiggle it. Okay. But it still does work fine. Yeah. 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 Well, that is amazing. It's probably worth something. And you might want to consider donating it to the Museum of Computing or something. It's not worth anything. There are thousands on eBay, Richard. They all go for about 50 quid. I do have the original games, though. All the original ah. cassettes. Well, they aren't worth anything because they've oh. all been copied and digitised and are available. No, I think people like the idea of the original thing, don't they? Well, first of all, where the fuck would they get a tape recorder to play them into the computer? Or do you have one of those as well? I do, and apparently those sell for big money these days, 600 700 pounds. Yeah, because you can't get them anymore. No. And all the manufacturers of decent tape drive mechanisms long since stopped making them. So the only ones you can get now, basically all tape players now have the same mechanism in it, and it's shit. It's wow. a really cheaply made thing. So you'd be hard-pressed to get a very high-quality one. And as we know, the Spectrum is very sensitive to the way its tapes are being played at it. <laughs> Worth explaining, by the way, <laughs> to anyone <laughs> under... 55 who's never experienced it but when home computers first started the way that you loaded a program of any kind because they had no non-volatile storage on them was after you after you booted your computer up you would have to plug a tape cassette recorder into it put a tape in and play for a good five minutes uh, as a very slowly decoded the sounds into computer code and usually would fail because of some interference at some stage. In the that process. particular noise of the bits and bytes going in, do you think that made us more accepting of techno when it came 10 years later? <laughs> no, I think that was probably the drugs, wasn't it? Sure. Yeah. Well, you didn't have to use a tech recorder. You could type the program in by hand if you wanted to. You could, yeah. You could buy a magazine and manually transcribe. Or if you were proper posh, there was a Spectrum mini disk drive. The micro drive. The micro drive, yeah. But if you had that kind of money, you'd probably have a BBC micro, wouldn't you? Yeah, but there were no good games on it, Paul. Chucky Egg except was on Chucky BBC. Egg. Yeah, okay. And, Chucky. of course, Elite was really Elite. good on the BBC. Yeah. In fact, it was True. amazing on the BBC. That's the only reason I was friends with my posh friends, was so I could go and play Elite at their houses. But do you know how the micro drive worked? Badly, at a rough guess. <laughs> no, it didn't work badly, actually. It was pretty good. Uh, the microdrive was an endless loop tape, which that's is the same right, technology yes. that's in a, an eight-track cartridge. Eight-track microdrives, and the other place these things got used a lot were any public announcements where there would be a looped message, and it would repeat, you know, for a long time. That would almost certainly be an endless loop because they were very reliable. And all it is is it's just one really long loop of tape, and instead of being on reels. It's just kind of bunched up in a in a higgledy piggledy mess inside the body of the uh, the thing, whatever you call it, the cartridge. So the ZX Spectrum microdrive was just a tape recorder, is what you're telling me. Yeah, but a very fast one, and because there's no spools, and because these endless loops are very fast, it, it didn't need to worry about that. You don't rewind them; you just keep, you know, you just go all the way around to the beginning and start again and stuff. 
How fast but were they? It, pretty fast, yeah. Pretty fast, yeah. But certainly, for you know, faster than a cassette, anyway. Oh God, yeah. yeah. But you know, it's just amazing that just taking all the machinery out of it, all the spools and stuff, those endless loops, very reliable. That's why they, you know, they'd use them in railway stations for announcements and emergencies and stuff, and they just never break down because they're just, you know, all they are is a pinch roller to pull the tape past the tape head, and then just a big, you know, relatively big space that you put a, a higgledy piggledy tape spool in. Well, I mean, if you opened it up, it would just be a tape looping backwards and forwards, you know, hundreds of times. Let's move on to today's movie. <laughs> ah, listen to the music. Paul, yes. have you ever seen this movie, possibly possibly in a former life? I don't know, but, but we haven't actually even mentioned the name of this movie this week. It is Infinite. Infinite. Yes. Uh, a Netflix special, free to next Netflix flu. <laughs> free to Netflix viewers. <laughs> it is. I think, yes. <laughs> I think I may have seen this in a former life, sort of. <laughs> Did it drag? It's very, it's very similar what do you mean in, in drag? No, did it drag? Was it, was it horribly familiar? Could be. It's it's horribly familiar. It's a lot like The Matrix. Well, I was going to get onto that. Yeah, just a little bit like The like Matrix. But but there we go. I mean, apropos of nothing, there is a new Matrix movie coming out. We saw the trailer when we oh, were sitting in the cinema waiting did, for yeah. Bond, didn't we? Yeah, we did, we did, we did. Keanu Reeves is back. Matrix with, Reloaded, is it called? With Carrie Ann Moss and one of the Wachowski sisters. Not both of them. But it looked good. I'm quite looking forward to it. I like the illusion, in the trailer at least, that they're harking back to all the quasi-mystical stuff. You know, the follow the white rabbit kind of vibe that the first one started out with. Were you stoked for the new Matrix, Paul? I am pretty stoked for the new Matrix. Uh, and uh, but I don't think it's coming out anytime soon, is it? Well, it must be. It was, it was a trailer. It must be coming out the next month or two. It was being trailed hard, yeah. But the problem is, I, can't, I think I've missed number number three. I'm not sure. If oh, that's not. Don't, don't worry about that. That's was there a number four? There was not a number four. So this is number four that's coming right now. Yeah. So yeah, I'm back in on the franchise. Uh, Terminator was a kind of franchise that didn't fizzle out at number three. I thought number three was maybe the best of the Terminators. Oh, you've lost me there. I don't think I've seen those later Terminators. But Terminator 4 was really terrible, wasn't it? Didn't see it. Didn't see it. There was one where they had uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger sort of youthed. Isn't that right? Was he CGI? A CGI Schwarzenegger? That must have been Terminator 4 or 5, I think. Is there a 5? There could be. Hey, Google, how many Terminator movies are there? There are six The Terminator films. Here are the first three, The Terminator, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, and Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. There are six films, Paul. Yeah, the first three are really good. Well, it's pretty good. It's well worth watching. However, uh, this movie has got nothing... This movie, what we're talking about today, Infinite, has got nothing to do with The Terminator. And everything's... Well, 
very many parallels to The Matrix as we're probably going to explore. But yeah, hmm. I don't really know where to begin here. Well, we should explain why it's called Infinite. Because at the very beginning, it explains who the Infinites are. Apparently, the Infinites are people who have perfect memory of all their past lives. It's hundreds of lifetimes, presumably, in which they've been able to learn lots of different skills like basket weaving and pottery and killing people with swords. And they're opposed by another group called the Nihilists who want to end all life. Uh, I think the idea is that they're kind of bored of living life after life. Well, and- I mean, we had a very clear exposition from the baddie about why he does want to end his, his life and all life, didn't we? Did, did did we? What did he say, Paul? He said something like, Ah! Grabbed at his hair. Ah! This, living these so many lives all the time, it is so frustrating. So I think he was quite clear about what he, <laughs> what he found frustrating. Living, you know, an unending life he found really frustrating. It sounds as though he really... Expressed that idea very clearly. He uh, did. Expressed it very clearly, and uh, and the script was really tight at that point. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So the film opens in what I think we're supposed to glean immediately is an eighties period. I didn't because, get that. Why though? Well, you're right. It was a beautiful night cityscape. I thought, wow, this is going to be such a good movie. The opening sequence was a beautiful cityscape. It was obvious it was somewhere in the developing or emerging market world, you know, maybe the Philippines or Mexico or maybe Thailand, that kind of thing where there are skyscrapers and then the teeming life in kind of, not barrio, but kind of, you know, the sort of uh, flat-roofed five- or six-storey structures for ordinary people behind. And It was just a fabulous, fabulous, fabulous sort of helicopter shot of the whole city. The kind of thing that if you're rich and you can afford to live in a nice 50-story high-rise in one of these parts of the world, you can just like watch life happening below you. And it was very, very, I thought it was very evocative and atmospheric. But you didn't get that it was in the 80s? I didn't get it was 80s Mexico, no. no. <laughs> I did later, well, the- I started talking Mexican. Or Spanish, where they talk in Mexico. But how well, was the it 80s? You were supposed to, well, you were supposed driving to a classic car. And- and exactly. Oh. It was a Testarossa, which is a hallmark of the 80s. Yeah, right? but none of the other cars are 80s cars. Like... No, the, and the other car was an Aston Martin Vantage. So I thought, wow, these are rich people with classic cars. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. that's because, I didn't well, get that. Look, it, it's about people who, you know, uh, get reincarnated. So, well, you know, they have to do a period piece, don't they? They have to show you. Have to show you sometime in the past, so that when we go up to date, you know it's those people again. Like the right. guy who jumps out of the car with the sword is oh. actually Mark, Mark Wahlberg, as you don't know yet. Don't know we don't know yet, that. But... Okay, let's get on to that. Let's get on to Marky Mark in a minute. Okay, so yeah, so opening sequence, brilliant night pan shot of the whole cityscape, and then we cut to the chase. It literally is a car chase, expensive cars chasing each other. This chase was. A real, a real. Well, good. the first three minutes, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was pretty, so the, pretty the opening <laughs> shot was really good, and the car chase afterwards was brilliant. You know, a brilliant, brilliant opening that promised so much. Uh, yeah, and so and, and, uh, we see an egg. He's got an egg, right? He's got like a Fabergé egg, and I'm thinking it's a Fabergé egg. 
is, is this a bank heist movie? What's going on here? And he's trying to get away in his Testarossa, is it? His Ferrari Testarossa, with this egg. And wow, yeah, hmm, all kinds of stuff goes down. And it, it transpires later that he's managed to hide it. Where he hid it, who knows? I mean, you're stuck in a car with, an, with the MacGuffin. You've got to find somewhere to shove it, haven't you? And he did. We'll right. come back to that later. But he, he hides the MacGuffin successfully. His name is Treadway. This guy is Treadway. Treadway. Okay. Strange because... names in this movie, don't you think? Yeah. Treadway is the hero. Uh, the bad guy who you were evoking, as if you were really a reincarnation of him, Paul, I thought. He's called Bathurst. Bathurst, wow. Bathurst, yeah. Let me write that down for later reference. <laughs> okay, so the car chase is, is really good, and it comes to an end through bridges, through tunnels. Somehow he jumps a bridge and lands up on the top of a giant construction crane, yeah? He does, yeah, with his samurai sword. And then we cut yeah. to the present? Cut to the present, and Marky, Mark Wahlberg... Marky Mark! It, He's having an interview, a job interview, for a maitre d' position or a he restaurant is, manager yeah. position. Yeah, doesn't go too well, does it? Well, yeah, because like, because I mean, either the maitre, either you know, the, the restaurant manager is like Japanese, because I mean, Jap- in Japanese companies, they will hire a PD to research your entire background. I don't know why he's researching Marky Mark's background for a maitre d job. He's like, you know, we looked into you. I guess it's not that difficult these days on Facebook and whatnot. You don't need to hire a PD, do you? Uh, and he's uh, like, well, you know, you say you're all this, but you're not. Like, you you went mad 15 years ago or 10 years ago or whatever, and you've been committed. And yeah, I, he's been committed. I'm just not going to tolerate people with mental health, with past mental health issues working for me. That's how progressive the manager is. Uh, he... It's clear from the bit of exposition that he's taking meds to control his um, mental illness. And he says at one point that his meds are running out and he can't afford the medical bills, which is, of course, a sad indictment of the terrible state of medical American system, health provision yeah. in, in the American system. Yeah. Well, yeah, the manager's like, okay with that. But he says, but then why did you attack a customer kind of thing? <laughs> And he was yeah. like, well, he was putting his hand on one of my wait- waitresses' asses kind of thing, and blah, 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 blah. End of interview, no job given. So that's our introduction to Marky Mark's character. But can we just talk about Marky Mark himself for a moment? Okay, is he called Marky Mark? No, he's not called Marky Mark. So I think him as Marky <laughs> Mark, but he's not Marky Mark, is he? Marky Mark is somebody else, isn't he? Yeah, this is Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, don't confuse me. Okay. Now, he was never in New Kids on the Block, was he? <laughs> uh, well, I don't know. Do you know, Mark Do you know who was, though? The... His brother was. was in New Kids on the Block. Ah. His brother was in New Kids on the Block, right? Yeah, okay, that makes sense. That's believable. So, who the hell is Marky Mark, and how did he get famous, then? Or Mark Wahlberg? In the 90s, Wahlberg was a member of the music group Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch. Was he? Yeah. <laughs> I was right. His first starring role was in Fear in 1996, and his first critical praise was his performance as a porn actor, Dirk Diggler, in Boogie Nights. Marky Mark was a producer of Infinite, which I think goes quite a long way to explaining quite a lot of Infinite. Wow. Okay. Now, as a kid, as a teenager in New York, New York, he was he was charged with a lot of racially motivated attacks, wasn't he? 
But so so he was he was in Marky Mark and the Fr- Funky Fruit Bunch. You said that's what that's what Wikipedia says, Paul. Yeah. He's got three brothers, all of whom are in the media and entertainment industry. Uh, but his younger son is Donny. His younger brother is Donny Wahlberg. He was in the boy band. He's a founding member of New Kids on the Block, and that's on the where block. I got, that's where I got uh, mistook up. Yeah, Donny was in New Kids. Marky was in the Funky Bunch, yeah, and I think Marky was in the Calvin Klein underpant adverts as well, wasn't she? Back when black and white adverts of muscly men in white underwear was like the epitome epitome of fashion. Think about white underwear; is it doesn't stay clean and white very long, does it? it it's going to quickly, <laughs> quickly look grubby. Now, black does Marky have a does Mark have a chain of restaurants these days? You don't know the in the movie, no, or in real life. Oh, I don't know. Does he? Hamburger restaurants. I think he does, yeah. Oh, well, I approve of that. He can't go good. far wrong with a good hamburger. Yeah. And also, he was in that movie where there's like a talking giant stoned bear. <laughs> Do you remember <laughs> that wasn't a stone bear, was it? You, don't yeah, you mean it's the... It's a giant stoner. The, bear, like, the little teddy bear. Oh, stoned. 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 Yeah, yeah. Sorry, stoned That's bear. Ted, wasn't it? Ted? Ted, yeah. yeah. That's quite funny, actually. Yeah. It is, yeah. Filthy talking stoned New York bear teddy bear. <laughs> was that was that Marky Mark? Uh, we fools if there'll be a big correction episode. It must be one. Marky Mark. How could it not be? I'm just looking at his filmography. He's done a heck of a lot of movies. Oh sure, yeah, he's prolific. He's prolific, which affords him at this stage in his career the ability to help produce and star in this vehicle for. Netflix to make his own version of The Matrix. It's an adaptation of a book, though. So, fair play. Is it really? Called The Reincarnationist Papers. Why is it so similar to The Matrix, then? Well, it was written in 2009, so that might explain it. Reincarnation, of course, not an invention of this film. It's an old thing. Buddhists have hammered on about it for a long time. Not an idea I find particularly appealing, I must say. And certainly not the Buddhist version, because in the Buddhist version, I think what you come back as depends on some poorly explained pretext of how you were behaved in this in this life, doesn't it? It is, in essence, a class system, if you think about it, yeah? Yes, exactly, yeah. Or even a and caste it's all, system. And it's a, it's a very karmic idea, you know, in other words, that we, you know misfortunes that you suffer and, you know, un- uh, lack of privilege and opportunity that you suffer in your current life is a consequence of things you've done wrong in your previous existences, uh, which is a horrible idea. It's, it's which, which was the English football manager who got into trouble for saying that, basically saying that disabled people have brought it on themselves by their past lives or something. You know, you don't remember that? It sounds incredible to say now, but I'm pretty sure that happened. <laughs> wow. Was it the 2000s? Um, I think it might have been the 90s, but yeah, no, I'll go with 2000s. Heady times. Yeah. yeah, horrible idea. But the, the thing about reincarnation is, in a lot of these spiritual notions of reincarnation, we're all reincarnated, right? That's the idea. Um, Not in this movie. Only some people. It's not clear, is it? Because at the beginning it says the infinite to the people who have perfect memory 
So maybe everyone else was reincarnated, but they can't remember. Which is exactly how reincarnation is, by the way, if it were real. Like, no one remembers their past lives, at least not usefully in any way. And if you don't remember your past lives, it's really the same as not having any past lives, isn't it? It's identical. You you would have no way of telling one way or the other, would you? And the only way, it seems, that you can figure out you had a past life is to go to a hypnotist who will regress you, where you will fabricate some fantastical idea about how you were someone influential and rich in the past. Now, in this movie, at some point, uh, Marky Mark gets to go and see the the guy who can bring back his past life memories. Oh, you mean the guy played by Jason Manzoukas? Yeah, his special name. He's called the Influencer or the... the... the no, he's called the... Um, I think he's called the Artisan, or is he? Or... Okay, so with his dream catchers and his jingly bells and his that that weird thing that you make it sound like a gla- uh, you know a wet wine glass uh, music, he can he can bring back memories. I know what you mean. I know what you mean that wet wine glass sound. That's one of those special kind of drum things, isn't it? Yeah. But we've got to stop here and pause. Jason Manzukas, of course, very famous for being a podcast host. Of another movie that reviews podcasts. Wow. No, another podcast <laughs> that reviews movies. <laughs> well, that's got upside down, though. Right, okay. So why does Mark... We'll get to why Marky Mark is blocked and whatnot through his past lives in detail perhaps later. But why does he need to go and see the artisan and get it all unblocked? Well, because he went to see a psychiatrist age 14 because he flipped out age 14. Uh, and he got committed for schizophrenia, yeah? And the idea is, it wasn't schizophrenia. This was his past lives coming to life. And the psychiatrist, the shrink, spoiled it all, you know. But wait a minute, Put Paul, him away wait a minute. And blocked him from his past lives forever, kind of thing. But, but hold on, what is schizophrenia? Well, this is it. It's just past lives, apparently. No, no, but, I mean, when people use the word schizophrenia, what they often mean by it is... It's a variety multi- of conditions, yeah. Multiple personalities. But that's not schizophrenia, actually. No, that's multiple personalities. Multiple personality disorder is multiple personalities disorder. Schizophrenia is a different psychosis, which can, I suppose, sometimes evolve some elements of that. But I I was reading recently that there is real sceptical kind of criticism of the whole idea of multiple personality disorder being a thing, in fact. It, like, I think there's a contention with some evidence that there is no such thing. Like, there, n- no one has multiple personalities. Well, I'm just going to say the obvious thing. It's a spectrum. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, everyone's a little bit schizo, is what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, different shades of people's personalities. But those people, they wouldn't, they wouldn't go... If you caught one of those people in one of their particular aspects, they wouldn't like have no knowledge of what their other personalities had done. It's a trope in a lot of stories, isn't it? This idea of these people who have completely separate multiple personalities. It's also a, a bit of a trope in the true crime arena, where there are some people who seem to have expressed this idea. They, they didn't know what separate. they were doing because there was somebody else. 
But it's quite convenient for a defence lawyer. Exactly. We have to treat that testimony with extreme scepticism, right? They have an incredibly strong uh, motivation to fabricate that entire condition. If it exists, true split personality disorder must be incredibly rare. Yeah, but I mean, as you say, everyone everyone code switches. Everyone has different different personalities that they employ in different loca- in different situations. But that's not what we're talking about here. It's not. I, I just find the whole idea of psychiatry in DSM, this whole basis, axiomatic basis of, of how they decide, you know, for example, uh, ADHD. How, how mm. do you decide this is an illness? How do you decide yes. this is an illness? And I, then when I they agree, expand the criteria, you know, how do you decide that? Is there anything, either medically clinical or empirically scientific, about the process they go through this? There isn't. No, exactly. Exactly. To me, ADHD, when I hear ADHD, I think, well, maybe the things they're trying to do are just fucking boring. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm almost certainly ADHD by their definition. <laughs> like, for example, this film. <laughs> ah, now we get to opinions. Okay, we haven't done the plot line, so let's head into this plot line. Oh, shit. Bang straight. So, mid-80s, Mexico City, this bloke called Trebway, he's got an egg. He hides it up his chest. We've done this bit already. <laughs> yeah, I'm just recapping because it's, it's 25 minutes ago. I think I'm reliving a past life. <laughs> hides it up somewhere up his up his up his backside, whatever. And then presumably we cut to the real day, the present day. Schizophrenic Marky Mark would have known his past lies, but some psychiatrist got in the way, and I'm with him on that. Well, look, yeah, these bloody shrinks, right? And he doesn't get the job, and then all of a sudden, what happens? The infinites turn up, yeah. Now, he ends up getting arrested, doesn't he? Because he goes... To get his meds! He goes to some, like, drug place. He goes to some drug place because... Because he, he he needs to get his meds. And he gets his meds because... So he's made a Japanese sword. He's made a katana. Because I guess it's possible to do that in an apartment, isn't it? <laughs> to have, like, a forge. He's <laughs> folded the metal 14 times or something. Yeah, so... Just going to do it on the fire escape, yeah. So anyway, so he turns up at the at the drug den to swap his sword for for, for six hundred bags of of his antipsychotic psychotic medicine. But it all goes wrong when the head drug dealer threatens the girl oh, and he wow, chops yeah. his hand off, I yeah. think, or something. And he winds up he winds up being arrested, and that's where he meets the king of the nihilists, played by uh, Chituella Ejiofor. That's Bathurst. There only seems to be one of them. It's only him, isn't it, really? Well, he's the only one that tears his hair and goes, oh, gosh, living multiple lives, this unending consciousness, I cannot stand it. You know, he's the only person that really says that. The thing is, nihilists are a bit, you know, it's difficult to recruit to the nihilist cause, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> By definition. <laughs> Who's going to come to your meeting, you know? <laughs> it later transpires, he's got all kinds of technology to monitor the idealists, or whatever you call them. Well, they're all infinites, the aren't infinites, they? The infinites, Paul. They're split into two oh. camps, the nihilists and the uh, idealists. I oh, the believers. The believers, thank you. The Justin Believers, yeah. Okay, so he's got all kinds of technology. He's, like, he's got an unfair like, uh, plot armor device, uh, plot armor advantage there, is that he can like spy on them with like his, well, it seems to be a handheld device of some sort. Well, it's okay, because even though Mark Wahlberg doesn't know what's going on yet, he's going to be rescued by another infinite called Nora, who's going to drive her car through the wall of the police cell 
apparently they put the cell on the outside of the building yeah, with a, a a thin wall that cars can easily not drive before through. not before Bath, Bathurst has played Russian roulette of a of a certain kind with Marky Mark trying to get him to recall his past. Is that right? That's right. He gave him a series of objects, didn't he? And said, you know, do you remember these? Yeah. It's like a GCSE history exam. <laughs> oh, GCSE history project. What do you think this small implement was used for <laughs> in the Russian steppes? If it was GCSE, Paul, it, it would be asking you about the feelings of the people who had to use this to remove yes. nits, you know. What, what would it have been like? That's it. We're going to tell you what this is used for in the Russian steppes, but how did it they felt when they had to repair it? <laughs> anyway. So, yeah, he, goes, he does all that kind of stuff, and somehow he reawakens some memories for Marky Mark. Is that right? Well, yeah, I think he generally remembers enough to chop people's heads off, doesn't he? Or or shoot shoot weapons and stuff. But she breaks him out anyway. She crashes through a wall. Crashes through a wall, yeah, as you do. Bathurst gives chase in a huge army kind of, huge army kind of all-terrain vehicle. A Humvee of some kind, yeah. yeah. And how is he How is he involved with the police? I'm not sure about that. I don't know, he's clever. But anyway, so doesn't, that, doesn't Marky get taken to the good guy's lair at this point, which is like a Buddhist retreat in Thailand? That's right, yes. All water walls and kind of meditation areas and stuff like that. People hovering in midair. And they meet one of the coolest characters, who is played by Kay Alexander, who's that uh, Trace. The, the, she's like the female martial arts teacher. Right, Richard. I wasn't fast-forwarding at any point, but I don't remember this. Oh, I do. <laughs> I guess I, she is... This is the real Matrix point, isn't it? Where it gets horribly Matrix. Yeah, they're all like, in the dojo. uncomfortably Matrix. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is uncomfortably Matrix. And then there's but the guy... I liked her. I thought she was really good. I liked her haircut. There's the guy who can like, nearly see the code. He looks a bit like the dwarf from Game of Thrones. Oh, <laughs> uh, Toby Jones. Toby Jones, yeah. No, 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 no. There's a guy with a beard. Oh, yeah. yeah that, the artisan. They go to see the artisan. He's like a bit... No, no. Oh, fuck me. He's a shorter guy. He looks a bit millennial. <laughs> and he looks... The, you mean the muscly guy? The, the muscly yeah. guy. Yeah. He's like a Morpheus character, isn't he? I guess Kinda. so, yeah. It's not long before Bathurst turns up, is it? I mean, it's not complicated, is it? Like, he just turns up and kidnaps them all. Isn't that right? It's a simple story, right? Bathurst is looking for the egg because he can use it to end... All time. All... Is it all life? I think it's all, all life. All life, yeah. We get, we get a stunning recreation of this. It's like people just, like, turn to... Dust. Immolated, oh, it, immolated dust, yeah? It, it's very much like... Um, in Avengers, isn't it, where the, he clicks his fingers and everyone turns to dust, where yes. Thanos kills the, half the universe. Thanotian, Thanotian moment, yes. It is, yeah. He's already got a special gun that lets him properly kill, kill the infinites, doesn't he? So he can go around exterminating the infinites. I think he sucks their soul onto a microchip, actually. This is it. Okay, so this is the first point <laughs> of real ridiculousness. Like we get we get a demonstration of this is like he can collect their consciousness or their soul. He says, "Yes." Now this is just this is boodle bop, isn't it? This is. <laughs> I mean, at this point, all suspension of disbelief has to end. I think for this movie, it's just ridiculous. Look, I think it's worth just rehearsing the materialist position about souls and reincarnation, which is this: it's very simple, right? It's really simple. 
everything we know about living life as a human being tells us that if you damage your brain, <laughs> you, that which is your personality stops working properly, you know, to the point where, well, if you've ever seen someone with dementia, you'll know this, but people who suffer traumatic brain injuries, you know, lose their personality very quickly. And there are cases, of course, even stranger cases, where people have had brain tumours. You know, there's a case where a guy had a brain tumour, and I think he started committing paedophile assaults, you know. Um, it was similar, wasn't there a guy, like a mass a spree shooter? The guy went to the top of that clock tower in that university and used a sniper rifle. I think he had a brain tumour. Yeah, but point being... Your personality is entirely dictated by that lump of fatty neuronal material between your ears. And when that dies, you are dead. You're gone. There's nothing left. It's interesting with with machine learning and and what we might call GAI, you know, greater artificial intelligence. General artificial intelligence. Sorry, general artificial intelligence. Thank you. Uh, Mind-body duality is, is really not conceived of as a serious philosophical issue anymore. You know, everybody in the field, not just of AI, but in the philosophy of mind... Or the philosophy, of the mechanism of mind, is a is a mono mon, mono a monist, mono, a monist. Thank you. You know, everybody's a monist. There are no dualists left. And so, you know, I, I could have accepted it just about if you said, you know, we collect like a Fourier transformer, a, a compression of <laughs> their brain activity, and yeah. somehow represent their personality pretty accurately. I, that I can accept. But he didn't say that, did he? He said we collect their soul. Uh, <laughs> and so mm, that was really disappointing. I thought. Uh, a really disappointing moment of just naffness in this movie. Yeah. But here's the plot of this movie then. We've got the MacGuffin, which they imaginatively call the egg, which is hidden in the body of one of the previous incarnations of Mark Wahlberg. And Bathurst, the bad guy, wants the egg to kill every living thing. And the good guys don't want him to have the egg. And they're trying to stop Bathurst. And that's yes. really what happens. All I was going to say is that around about this point, I think I may have taken a short nap. Um, <laughs> Involuntary short nap. Yeah. No, Look, it was I mean, after it was after they went to the artisan because I was very excited to see Jason Manzukas shout out to okay. another movie review podcast. So, like Marky Marks had a brief glimpse of his past lives when he was playing Russian roulette with the guy with the physical. So they take him to the artisan to unblock him. Yeah, yeah, which is to. Bring back his perfect recollection of his past lives. Why not Apparently, it's really dangerous. It was a really dangerous. Well, they do because they drown in like a witch, don't they? <laughs> and of course, it nearly goes wrong, but it, it doesn't. And he, he does. Yeah, get he stops breathing and he stops living. Basically, and that's boom when he's you know he gets his near death moment and bam, all his past lives suddenly flash before his eyes. And I don't know why they're doing that. It doesn't really, does it really change his abilities or? Must do, mustn't it? Well, he, oh, okay. yeah, it, it makes it easier for him to do stuff, doesn't it? After that, but the, see, this is the other naff problem: is this idea of perfect recollection of past lives. I mean, do these people have a photographic memory of their own lives? They don't. <laughs> you can't remember. So what why you did they have a photographic week? memory of every every single one of their memories? I don't get it. Is there an idea that they can steer? Can they steer into their past lives? In which case, why can't they steer into their present life? It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, it makes no sense whatsoever. He comes out the the the, the flotation the flotation device, and he's got all his lives back. Guess what? The baddie Bathurst turns up and starts killing them again, doesn't he? So, 
and then somehow they how wind they get up. Rid of the and I know this, this is around the time I took a nap. They wind up in some stately home somewhere. They do. How the hell did that happen? Having a gunfight. Uh, Bathurst has broken their headquarters, hasn't he? He's gone there and started shooting all of the infinites, I think. And so how do they get rid of Bathurst in the end? I've forgotten. I've failed to note it down also. Well, here's the thing about Bathurst, right? Here's a guy who is rightly... Good actor, by the way. Yeah, he's a very good actor, isn't he? Shit. Edge your fall. Here's a guy who is sick of this endless stream of lifetimes that he's living. Understandable, okay? Not really. The thing about... People complain about immortality, don't they? They say, I wouldn't want to be immortal because I'd get bored. Well, if that was true, you could just kill yourself, couldn't you? I mean, no problem. Yes. So, what's the problem? At least you have the option of carrying on if you want. And anyway, you're really going to get bored. You're really going to run out of movies to watch and books to read and... Uh, and things to learn. I don't think so. I'll have the immortality if you don't want it. That's all I'm saying. Okay, so Bathurst, if he kills himself, he comes back to life. I understand that. He does, though, at one point, you see him waterboarding himself with gasoline, I think. What is all that about? And when he like, How do you talk emerges, afterwards? It makes no sense. When he comes out of that, he says he was doing it so that he could see God. It's not a very yeah. nihilist position, is it? If you, th- if you think there's a god, you should be, well, doing whatever the god wants, you know, worshipping him. Or you shouldn't, shouldn't be trying to uh, kill all life. Um, doesn't seem like a very devout thing to do. Perhaps he was just speaking figuratively. But anyway, the other thing about Bathurst is, as I've discussed, he has a fucking gun that can kill the infinites. Why doesn't he just shoot himself? It's called then? a dethroner. The dethroner, yeah. He could just dethrone himself, couldn't he? Then he wouldn't have to live any more endless lives. Isn't it strange? Have I just blown a plot? The plot is blown wide open, man. For some reason, they get out of the stately home and end up in an aeroplane. I don't know how any of that happens. Well, I think they think that this is where the egg was, is. What, in the aeroplane? No, at this stately home, I think. I think they were fleeing at that point from the headquarters where Bathurst was coming after them. Marky Mark... He 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 has this thing where he kind of surfs the air and then he stands on the aeroplane wing that Bathurst is inside and doesn't hold on and doesn't fall off. Right. Yeah, do I remember through the that? Air. Do I remember and then he climbs that? through a, through like a, a, a some sort of port porthole that he opens in the aeroplane, jumps in and they start they have a fight in midair kind of thing. In midair, yeah. Yeah. That makes and then sense. they fall out of the plane <laughs> and then they carry on fighting and Marky Mark stops Bathurst from getting the egg. Marky Mark drowns in the sea with the egg. And that's it. Does he get reincarnated as somebody somebody cool? Yes. Years later, uh, they're reborn in Jakarta. That's right. As a, and as a small him and Nora, Indonesian they hook up. teenager. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I'm really sorry, listeners. I, I mean... The intricacies of the brilliant ways that, you know, they got from stately home to aeroplane. Stately home to aeroplane, I haven't been able to remember. Well, look. I don't know why not. My brain protected me, I think, from this terrible plot. But, yes, so. Well, let's score it then, Paul, and be done with the damn thing. Let's start with acting. Can I just say before that, before that, can I just say the dialogue was just awful? (laughs) 
you know, we've got some really, we've got some fairly decent actors. You know, Bathurst, you know, the guy that plays Bathurst is a really good actor. And they gave him such fluffy lines, you know. So. Look, it's so, a good yeah. cast. It's a really good cast, you know. Okay, so what, what do you want to start off with? Well, we'll do acting with this great yeah. cast. Yeah, uh, the, the best of a, a bad bunch, really, the acting. I thought the acting, for what they were given, was 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 good. I'm going to give it a 6.5. Toby Jones, uh, yes. Jason Manzoukas, Kay Alexander uh, as Trace, brilliant. Mark Wahlberg is decent enough. Um, the the female lead, Nora, a bit of a no-mark, really, wasn't she? It didn't leave much of an impression on me, but she's perfectly good. Yeah, I mean, I'll give this... Uh, I think I'll give this a 7.5 for the acting. Wow. It's very nice. convincing all round. Okay, let's move on to the plot. How do you feel about the plot, Richard? Uh, it's just really... Can words describe? It's just really ordinary. It's painting my numbers, isn't it? Have a MacGuffin... Hide it somewhere at the start. Yeah, you kind of know where it is. And then it's also Hero's Journey. You know, guy who doesn't know that he's got these great skills awakens from it and defeats the bad guy. The bad guy has some... Well, I mean, derivative form like is one thing, but but sloppy and ill-thought-out is another. (laughs) So... Well, Bathurst's motivations don't make a lick of sense up or down. They don't. It's just so sloppy and lazy. So for that, I'm going to give it a two. Oh... Cutting. Uh, yeah, I'll give it a three. It's below average, I think, and 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 not funny either. Like it takes itself extremely seriously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no sense of ridiculousness here. Like in the Avengers movies, when they have these time loops and stuff like that, there's a little crack or a side joke, isn't there, about about the plot line? Yeah, you know, and it's large a note the to the adults in the audience, kind of thing. You know, yeah. uh, there's none of that here. I mean, this is just humorless. So, the only guy playing it for laughs is naturally Jason Manzukis as the artisan. He's he's good. Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about the science in this film. Please, let's not. <laughs> There's nothing to say about this, is there? I think that they get reincarnation wrong. They get psycho psychotherapy and psych, you know mental illness wrong. They get. Uh, I think they even get chemistry wrong. There's a bit near the beginning that I wrote down where is he is it in the drugs thing when he's I think he's trying to tell them how to make gunpowder. Yeah. And he says seventy four percent potassium nitrate and thirteen percent charcoal. The science was deeply shonky. Uh the ideas and uh, and the ideas outside of science, you know, the philosophical ideas, this return this infinite return to past lives, you know, I mean if you're gonna talk about lives coming back to each other, you have to think of it in terms of Mobius strip, don't you? I can't really conceive of anything that comes back to itself or can play on itself that was happening at the same time but a different... There's just no conception of what it would mean in terms of universes for all lives to be recurrent and returning. No, exactly. Exactly, yeah. There's, just, there's, no, there's no exploration of that. So for all this, I'm going to have to give it a, a desultory three. I'm sorry. I mean, are there supposed to be a, a set number of souls that just get reused? But the population has grown, so souls have had to come from somewhere. Or is it that there's only one soul or one person reliving lives again and again? And that, that means that you're having sex with yourself when you have sex with somebody else. <laughs> I'll, what is this, the science? Yeah, I'll give this a yeah. two for science. Oh, gosh. Wow. A sceptic mark there from Richard. 
But what about action and special effects? Uh, the strongest part for me of this movie, uh, oh, in I'm half, sensing an in half, oh. in half, you know, the beginning and the end, I thought were both really, really strong. You know, I would definitely give it an eight for that, but kind of flat in the middle. So I've downscoring it to a six. Sorry about that. Oh, I was expecting an eight. I'd give this an eight. It does have some good action set pieces. And if you can yeah. stay awake through the techno babble, clacker void stuff, then I think you'll be entertained by it. It's no Matrix, though. That's a problem, right? The Matrix is actually quite thoughtful and quite groundbreaking. And retreading it all without any of the intelligent side, I think, is a mistake. Okay, final scores, Richard. I'm going to go, I'm sorry, for a 4.5 here. Not a recommend. I'd stay away from this. There's nothing really that's going to make your evening when you watch this one. Uh, overall, yeah. No, I'll give it a five. If you've got nothing else to do, I don't right think on the borderline between life and death there. I think you might enjoy it, but you might not enjoy it. But you might. So not a recurring 5.5555555555555555. Poincaré occurrence. Fortunately, fortunately, this was not a never-ending story. It only lasted about 90 minutes. So, yeah. It was short. That was mercifully short. Yeah, yeah. There is good in bad and bad in good. And so the wheel continues. And so the wheel continues. So uh, not, not a strong recommend from Richard. Maybe on the cusp there, on the event horizon of recommendations. Uh, for me, definitely not recommend, you know, 4.5. We can do uh, better, Paul. There is something to recommend that movie in that it is free. Uh, it's free on Netflix as of now and as of tomorrow, I guess. And maybe of yesterday. I have to ask <laughs> our protagonist about that. Hey, they don't stay around forever. They don't stay around forever. You know, they've removed Bob's Burgers from Amazon Prime because it's gone to... Uh, gone to, gone to heaven. Is it? Gone to reincarnation <laughs> <Yes>. heaven. <laughs> Literally heaven, yeah. Look, I'm going to give you two choices, Richard. Uh, we've okay. got something that's been put up maybe two or three times on our whiteboard of whiteboard of, of, of uh, future future episodes, and that is Hush. I'm not quite sure when. It's from 2018, which is about terrorising a deaf lady in the woods. It's pretty new. Or It is pretty new, yeah. Or I'm going to offer you The Trip, which is free on Netflix at the moment. So it's up the to trip. you. The well, Trip? Well, is that the restaurant thing with... Uh... No, it's a scary movie. Oh, different then. Okay. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to insist on watching Hush, finally, to force you to watch it. Because I think it might be better than this movie was. Okay. So join us next week, next time even, for Series 2, Episode 12 of Drive-By Cinema, when we will be looking at detail in The Hush. At The Hush. Hush, not The Hush. The Hush. The movie that is The Hush. We're looking at the movie that is The Hush. No, Hush. (laughs) We're looking at Hush. Thank you for listening and goodbye. (laughs) See you all next time. Bye.